Welcome back to another episode of Sleep Whispers. I'm Harris, and this is a podcast of whispered ramblings and whispered readings to help you to relax and fall asleep. This is a batch episode, which means I've taken some specific sections from older episodes and I've bundled them together into this episode. If you are interested in accessing all the old episodes, bonus episodes, videos, or photos, then you can learn more by going to my website at sleepwhispers.com. And now, for a batch of finely aged whispers. I hope you enjoy them. Tonight's Curious quote is the following. Nothing grieves us can be called little. By the eternal laws of proportion, a child's loss of a doll or a king's loss of a crown are events of the same size. And that quote is another one from Mark Twain from Which Was the Dream. I don't know, I guess I I really like Mark Twain quotes. And also where I'm at, like the section I'm in, in my journal of quotes, has a lot of Mark Twain quotes in that section, so that's why I keep sharing Mark Twain quotes. And I, I really like this quote. It's, it's just very true to me, and it has helped to explain to me also remind me how emotions are so relative. I understand that a child can feel genuinely and deeply upset if they drop their ice cream on the ground. (laughs) But to an adult, it does not seem like that should be anything to truly be upset about. I, 
I think it is okay and even appropriate for a child to react that way because that is a tragedy to them. Now, hopefully, over time, they will learn to better assess what a real tragedy is. But here is my problem. I am an older adult. And I can honestly say that the stupidest things can still truly upset me. I can get upset if I have to stand in a line for more than five minutes or if someone is talking too loudly on an airplane or if I have to wait more than four seconds for a website to load. Oh, and one that drives me bonkers is if I fill out some kind of form on a website and then something glitches and I have to fill out that same form again, I go into a, like a stupid rage. Well, not a rage, but I mean, I really feel so upset. I'm an adult, and yet I still will basically cry when my ice cream drops on the ground. I'm not always good at preventing myself from having these types of negative reactions to such trivial things. I do try to raise my awareness of how good my life actually is to, I guess, keep things in perspective. I definitely watch my, my share of uh, silly comedies and testosterone-filled action movies but I I balance those programs with heart-wrenching documentaries and TV shows and trash 
tragic movies about real human suffering throughout the world and throughout time. Like these are programs about people dealing with real struggles like health disorders, mental health challenges, um, living under oppressive governments, struggling with physical and psychological abuse that someone else is incurring on them. These, these are like gut-wrenching topics that can almost be depressing to learn about and to watch. But these programs are like healthy fruits and vegetables for my mental perspective. They help me to realize how easy my life is. How fortunate I am. And that stop overreacting to inconsequential things. So next time my Wi-Fi signal suddenly cuts out can't find a parking space right in front of a store, or I drop my phone in the toilet, instead of stressing out and going into a stupid rage like a child who dropped their ice cream on the ground. I need to focus on how truly lucky I am. And then I should send a donation to an organization that is working to help people who are struggling with real problems. say about that. Here is the 
curious quote for this episode, and it's, it's not by Mark Twain. So I've, I've moved on to other people. Tonight's quote is, Not what we have, but what we enjoy constitutes our abundance. And that quote is by John Petit Sen. Uh, I think, or I'm sure there are a couple of ways to interpret this quote. I think the way the author meant it is that our real treasures in life which he calls abundance, do not come from our physical stuff, which he refers to by saying what we have, but the real treasures in our life are our enjoyable experiences which he refers to by saying what we enjoy. So, I very much agree with this meaning of the quote, and it's probably why I first saved this quote when I came across it a while ago. But, when I read it recently. I kind of just read it in a different way, and it made me think about my physical stuff that I have in a different way. The quote refers to what we have, and so I visualize that referring to all of the stuff that I have, like everything I own, just everything behind closet doors and in boxes. And then the quote refers to what we enjoy. And so with that, what I visualize is the stuff that I have, which I actually interact with. And that's such a small percent of this stuff that I have, which means I have too much stuff. And so when I reread it that way, it made me ask myself, why do I keep all of this stuff if I don't use it or interact with it in some practical way. I know, I know, I know what you're thinking. I know. I don't want to say it. Alright, I'll say it. Hoarding. 
I'd fall into that category officially because I've seen the shows, those TV shows, with real orders. But it doesn't mean just because my house doesn't look like a TV show about hoarding that I still don't have some level of hoarding tendencies. Alright. I'm going to share what I think is the worst example of me holding on to something which is totally useless and holding on to it for too long. years ago, like decades, I opened up a value pack of Trident gum, and inside the wrapper, it explained that the Trident gum company was having a giveaway, and if you saved up 20 value wrappers. So the value just means those are like the, the big jumbo packs of gum. If you saved up 20 of those wrappers, you could send them to the Trident Company in exchange for a concert ticket. Alright, that sounded good to me. So I saved up a bunch of wrappers, and it, it took me a while, because these would be 20 packs, or jumbo packs, of gum, so it took me a while, and by the time I'd saved up 20 wrappers, you probably see where this is going, the contest ended, alright, so, I figured I would then outwit the Trident Gum Company. <laughs> and I figured what they would do at some point in the future is they would have a similar giveaway where they would say, you know, if you have 20 value gum wrappers, you can exchange them for something. So, <laughs> I only bought and chewed Trident gum in value packs, and it was even like the same flavor, fresh mint, for the next few months. And I saved up wrappers, waiting for that next contest. And months went by, and there was no contest. But I kept saving wrappers. And then years went by, and still no contest, but I kept saving wrappers, and there never was another contest. And now, decades later, I still have hundreds of gum wrappers. It's ridiculous. Why don't I just throw them away? <laughs>
shoebox just packed with gum wrappers. <laughs> it's like that shoebox now is a is a symbol of a a, a little hoarding gremlin that lives inside of me. This trait of holding on to stuff too long, and I, I try to be good about it. I do have a, a, it's an annual commitment where I donate a lot of extra stuff to charities every year. sounds so nice I donate to charities but it's also or it is a lot because I'm worried about you know just holding on to too much stuff so throughout the year I create a pile of stuff and I put it in one pile and then in December I pack it all in my car and I drop it off at Goodwill so I can start the new year by not feeling as much like a hoarder. But I still have too much stuff that I never use. And of course, I still have that shoebox of gum wrappers staring at me like a gremlin with fresh minty breath. <laughs> oh, it's ridiculous. Alright. That's all I gotta say about that. Usually I start off by going right into the curious quote, but for the, I think this is the first time ever, I actually have a small addendum to the curious quote from the last episode. I don't even know if addendum is the right word. I have a note. I have information. Uh, what I have is a photograph. So in the last episode, I talked about my shoebox of gum wrappers. Well, it occurred to me that I should probably take a photo of this box of gum wrappers. And so I did just that. And I posted it on the photos page of the website. And if you look 
at the wrappers. There's three wrappers in the photo sitting on top of the shoebox. And you can see if you look closely that the ticket contest information is on those wrappers. So you can see that was the contest that led to all the other wrappers you can see in the uh, photo. Anyway, I hope you enjoy that photo. Alright, now I'll get right into the quote for this episode. And here it is. You can get by on charm for about 15 minutes. After this, you better know something. And that quote is by H. Jackson Brown Jr. from Live and Learn and Pass It On. This, this quote makes me think of small talk and that some people are very good at small talk. They are charming and engaging and lively. about 15 minutes, as the quote referenced, I find some of these people, these individuals, suddenly become less interesting and less enchanting, like something just kind of happens where whatever charm or liveliness they started off with, it just kind of disappears. And I wish I could say I was good at small talk, but I'm not. Uh, I find small talk stressful sometimes which means I am probably not very charming. I probably look awkward and act awkward when I meet most people for the first time. If I don't appear awkward, then I'm probably just hiding it well, because I almost always feel awkward when I first meet someone. I, d I don't dislike meeting new people. I find most people quite 
fascinating. And strangely, after about 15 minutes is when I start feeling comfortable and I feel like I'm starting to connect with the other person. And that's when I start feeling less awkward. This quote made me really think deeply about why I'm probably not very charming when someone first meets me and why I'm awkward and why I stink at small talk. But then I will gradually get more engaged and feel less awkward. And I, I think it is because when I first meet someone, my brain is overexcited. Maybe overstimulated is a better word. I am wondering who they are and why are they at this place that I'm at and what do they do and where do they live and why do they choose a blue shirt today? <laughs> and as they talk, I'm trying to piece together their personality and who they really are and all this hyper-brain activity <laughs> results in me having less attention to put into the initial small talk. Which is kind of ironic, because I probably appear like I'm not interested in them because I'm not seeming very charming. But after talking with someone for about 15 minutes, I start asking like deeper questions to try to find out who they really are as a person. And it's based on things they have already told me and other things about them I've observed or maybe even started to hypothesize. And I'm trying to understand who they are and I'm trying to make a genuine connection. And I guess that makes me wonder about people who are really charming for 
just the first 15 minutes. Maybe they are putting all their effort and energy into making themselves appear engaging and appear interested rather than actually absorbing information and processing it. I don't know. There are people, though, who do start off charming and become even more engaging and interested and interesting no matter how long I talk to them. And they are the gold nuggets of a social gathering. I'm not a gold nugget. I'm awkward and dusty. But maybe over time, Until then, I'll just admire those real, genuine, charming gold nuggets. Alright. I think that's all I have to say about that. is the curious quote for tonight. It is, There is one right I would not grant anyone, and that is the right to be indifferent. And that quote is from the Nobel Laureate, Elie Wiesel. And I, I think it's pretty well understood that this, that this quote is, it's about being informed, uh, being aware, and having opinions being informed enough and having strong enough opinions that you you put them into some kind of action especially for the good of others so i guess basically this quote is sort of saying not to turn a blind eye to injustices. Now, I, I clipped out this quote many years ago, and it's been very helpful at motivating me and 
reinforcing to me the importance of being more informed and less ignorant about things. I guess that's just two different ways of saying the same thing. <laughs> I think more informed and less ignorant just mean the same thing. Yeah. So, I think that was a bit redundant on my part. Sorry about that. And so, there are many serious and deep social issues that I have forced myself to understand better so that way I I can have an opinion and then provide some kind of support or assistance in some way. And there are so many examples that come to mind. But one which is sort of relevant to this quote and on my mind lately is voting which may be pretty obvious because here in the United States we are just a couple of months away from a presidential election, which and these happen like every four years. <laughs> and here is where my ignorance and unfortunate indifference really shines. I am horribly self-informed about politics. Well, I don't read about politics. I don't watch programs about politics. And I, I don't listen to podcasts or radio programs about politics. It just, uh, I did. Oh, I know it's 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 somewhat bad. I think it's for many people it's understandable, but it still results in me being ignorant and indifferent about important things. But there is one thing. <laughs> that I do force myself to do every four years right about this time of the year and I do watch the presidential debates on TV and that's just in a way to admit that is 
not something I say with pride because it's so minimal. I mean, gosh, for something so important, pretty much that's how I prepare to vote. So I watch the debates and I, I read about the analysis of those debates. I can't say that I really enjoy watching the presidential debates. It is sort of like exercising, I guess. I just feel better for doing it. Oh, but I do enjoy the analysis that happens afterwards when they do. <laughs> they usually have like this, these big flashy graphics that say something like fact-checking time. And they do a lot of well, fact-checking of what the uh, presidential candidate said during the debate. And I, I like that, I, I think, because it's... It appeals to my nerdy brain. Whereas the listening to politicians talk doesn't because I'm not always confident that they're talking about facts. So I think that's why I like the analysis afterwards. Where they go through it, you know, step by step, and they kind of... Uh, tell you what has some support for what they said and other things they can't find support for. But the challenge for me has been to watch these debates, but not just because, you know, it's just watching them is not super enjoyable, but because most of my adult life, I have either not owned a television, or I did have a TV, but it was only connected to a DVD player, or more lately, it's just a TV that's connected to you know, a streaming service like Netflix. So it's actually been a challenge for me to watch those debates. But I always <laughs> succeed. <laughs> Decades ago, I found a free and uncrowded public place to watch presidential debates. I'm half excited and half embarrassed to tell you where I've watched so many presidential debates. Alright, it's been in laundromats. Because here in the United States, at least, I, mean, I don't know how it is in other countries, but most of our laundromats here, which means a public place you can put basically 
basically coins into washing machines and dryer machines to clean your clothes. But the laundromats here, they all, a lot of them have TVs in them. So what I would do is, whenever I knew there was a presidential debate on, I would just find a nearby laundromat. <laughs> I wouldn't even bring any clothes. I'd just show up. And because the presidential debate is on every channel, you don't need to worry about what channel the television is on in the laundromat. So I would just sit there and just watch the presidential debates. I'm sure that looked pretty weird because I didn't have any clothes I was washing. <laughs> but it was like free TV that was easy to access. I have also watched presidential debates in gyms because a lot of gyms have TVs on the walls. But, you know, debates can last hours. <laughs> so that's not always the best idea because I would have to, like, put a treadmill on a very slow pace or find, uh, like, a stationary bicycle that was in front of a TV and put it on real easy. It's, it's not the best way to watch a presidential debate. But, I mean, you do get, I guess you're working your mind and your body at the same time. Uh, but lately, um, I am able to watch, like this year, I'll be able to watch them on the TV in my home because I got myself a big, huge antenna and I can uh, pull in a broadcast or over-the-air TV through my gargantuan antenna. I mean, it's it's huge because I'm I'm not super close. I'm not in a big city, and I'm not super close a big city, so I need a big antenna, and this, this thing is, I don't know, I just guessed like 20 feet long, and 10 feet wide, and it's a monstrosity that sits on top of this 30-foot pole that I basically built myself. And then I, and then the pole itself is strapped to my deck with bungee cords and wires. And this 
this monster antenna, it, it sways and spins around in the wind. It's so stupid looking. It, it looks like a huge weather vane for a junkyard. to say about that. <laughs>